Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast, supported by our friends at Blue Collar Street Food. Snatch and grab. Um, game against QPR away, uh, Reading come away with a 1-0 victory. A last-minute goal by Michael Elise, the superstar teenager. Absolutely brilliant news for a Saturday. I've been joined uh, to discuss the QPR win by Alex. Hello, Alex. Evening, Eric. And also by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, mate. So, how are we feeling then, chaps? Pretty uh, pretty non-event in terms of the game, but then what a goal by Mr. Elise. What, do, what, what, what are your uh, Saturday evening feelings, Alex? I mean, it was, what, 80, 88 minutes of, of pretty much nothingness, wasn't it? And then one one moment of the whole reason that we're all so excited about uh, uh, Elise and the reason he's going to go for 30, 40 million, as Matt Mills said a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago in the, in the summer, and he, he's going to be an absolute superstar. Yeah. Well, if you had to put a price tag on him, Dave, what do you reckon? Uh, he's not for sale. No. <laughs> um, if if you if you're forcing us to do it, or if you want to update the entry on transfer marked for what we're not going to accept, then uh, I mean, it's hard to say because he's a young player in the current market. Price tags are, are insane these days, but like what he can do, especially when you look at that game and what it was like before he turned on the charm and, and scored that goal. I mean, 30 or 40 million sounds ridiculous, but it, it's got to be up there. He's, I, uh, I, I would, I would, I would go 40 million yeah. at the minute, 40 million and, and, and not a penny less. If we didn't get 40 million, it would be a travesty because the guy is going to end up playing champion, regular Champions League football in his career. He's going to be he is going to be up there in terms of in terms of players like which are you know ones to watch in three four years time in terms of you know world's best players and and hard also to to you have to kind of remind yourself today was his nineteenth birthday Dave yeah which is funny because everyone's just got to the point of talking about eighteen year old Michael Elise you know uh, and now he's now he's nineteen but uh, if that's how he celebrates his birthday he did a lot more than I did on my nineteenth. So, <laughs> Let's not go into that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll re- he'll remember his 19th birthday at least, Dave. Right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, another one he's got on me. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's dissect the game a bit more because I mean we came in uh, into the game and we had we made four Someone's changes. Out the front door. Joao um, and Mate were injured. We had Aluko come in for. Um, uh, we had Aluko and Bulldog come in to replace them. We also had Elise dropped and Holmes dropped for Semedo and Estevez. What did you think of the starting eleven, Alex? Um, honestly, wasn't overly optimistic. I think a lot of Reading fans seemed to have that same kind of reaction when you saw that Zhao, Mate, Elise all out of the lineup. It looked like it was going to be very, very uncreative, and I think it was for the majority of it. So it probably justified kind of fears. Um, didn't surprise me too much that Holmes was dropped. Um, it, although when you look at the fact that we probably were setting our stall out to kind of defend today, uh, to drop Holmes, who's probably a more defensive right back and then play Estevez. I don't really know how kind of, it, it doesn't all tie up, but yeah, uh, the, the, I mean, the, Jao Mate injuries are kind of, I guess, enforced changes. And then Elise being dropped, it feels like it's down to a fact that if you play him every game, you're going to get the same kind of thing that which has happened to Richards today. So probably in kind of half enforced and partly to just nurture him through 
what is going to be a very, very long December. Yeah, and it, it also looks like our options are really thinning at the top end of the pitch day. We, we had Bulldog start today. What did you make of his performance? And how do you think we're, we're doing at the top end there without um, Joao Mate Pushkas? Uh, yeah, it's it's very very poor without uh, without those three. Um, I know Pushkas divides opinion, um, but I don't think there are too many people in the corner of uh, Sam Baldock leading the line for us. Uh, nothing against him personally, or or you know he scored at this level before, and, and that's that's fair enough. He's he's earned his right to be a championship striker. But if you look at how we play, um, it absolutely is pinned upon being able to put the ball up to someone who can hold it up I don't think he won a single battle against Dickie today um, so it, it, it wasn't <laughs> it the wasn't system, pleasant the to watch down. the system yeah, falls it, down when you're playing Bulldog up front because it, we, we haven't adapted to the players we have available yeah and, it, and to be honest yeah, we, we've got the young lad on the bench like just give him a go like see what yeah. he can do uh, in, in that position he did make some clever runs, Alex, but there's a couple of times where he, he didn't quite make the end of uh, of a couple of crosses. He could have easily had yeah. a goal today. I agree. I think he, he kind of, he makes 80% of what you want him to do, but the 20% he doesn't do is the bit you actually need him to do to be able to get onto the end of it and, and finish off his chance or get on the, like, get on the end of the ball after a clever run. Uh, and I saw a comparison on Twitter during the game and I thought it was just the exact comparison of what Bulldog is and, Someone compared Bulldog to Noel Hunt, but without the ability. And like, it sounds harsh, I think, but you can see it. The guy, he puts in effort and he runs around, but he just, like the, the final moment of what you need him to do to get on the end of the cross or to, to you know, to win the ball and, header or and he just doesn't manage it. And it's um, like, you know, great that he's running around and putting in the effort, but it, it's not going to be the required quality if you're going to be, you know, a championship starter week in, week out, and you can kind of see why. Yeah, I still don't think we've had any news on the severity of the injuries for Joao and uh, and Mate. Um, and we also haven't obviously seen it, what, what's going to happen to Richard yet. But we've got a packed schedule coming up, Dave. Are you are you worried about the games coming up and the, the sort of how stretched our squad is? Yeah, I think... Um... If you look at who is out, um, you're probably looking at, I mean, the stat was like, was it 63, 65%, something like that of our goals came from uh, Zhao and, and Meite. So you're already losing that. Richard's out. Uh, he's the one creating uh, a, a vast amount of uh, what we're doing and, and pushing us forward. Um, you, you take all of that out and then you see what it took today against QPR, who... I would apologise, but again, they don't like us and we don't like them, but also without really caring about each other. Um, QPR were poor and it almost went to, to zero chances created of any note. Um, if you replace QPR with Norwich, who even when they don't seem to be doing that well uh, on the pitch are still winning, scoring goals, even when it looks like maybe this isn't going to be their day, uh, and then Brentford, obviously, we know all about Brentford. Uh, I, I am very concerned. Um, I, I'm on a high from today, so I don't want to like bring it down. But yeah, the, the upcoming fixtures definitely worry me. Yeah, so I suppose the, the one thing to take a real positive today, Alex, is the defensive performance. I think bar a, 
um, Ilias chair shot that hit the post. I mean, if that had gone in, it could have been very different, right? But beyond that, there was a lot of blocks from Moore, from Gibson, Morrison's play, played, you know, and it was solid today from at the back. Yeah, we put ourselves about at the back and um, defended fairly well. I think we didn't really give up any any good chances. I think Raphael had a save to make in the first half from chair, which was kind of straight at him. Uh, and then obviously the, the the shot that hit the post. But outside that, they were very, very kind of ineffective going forwards. Um, and and part of that is obviously down to, as you said, Morrison and, and Moore and Gibson, um, who I thought actually was really quite impressive, to be honest, when he came on. Um, you know, he's no, he's no Richards, but he was decent enough as a backup left back today. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, the the performance from those, those three at the back was good enough to basically render QPR pretty much, you know, useless going forwards. And, and that is a team which is, they're not, they're not a terrible side going forwards. I think the, the criticism from a lot of QPR fans has been around the fact that, you know, they, they're just quite poor at the back. Um, whereas they do actually score goals and it's, it's, it's decent that we've managed to keep a clean sheet. Um, you know, what, what's that Get clean sheet today? And, you know, three points you're not really going to ever be able to complain about that are you absolutely and uh, I also heard a stat after the game that we're the second highest scorers in the league so um, that's obviously down to some of the players that are missing does that surprise you somewhat it, it, it feels surprising like it does, doesn't feel like we have scored a boat ton of goals or anything and to be second highest scorers is, it, it really surprised me that we were that high up in the kind of in the goal scoring tables yeah uh, looking at QPR, Dave, like you said, they were they were poor. They had um, Rob Dickey play at centre half and um, a former Reading player, former Reading Academy product. What did you make of his performance? I thought he nullified Bulldog completely. Yeah, he uh, he was all over Bulldog. Um, the the size difference obviously wasn't in Bulldog's favour. Um, I don't think any of the duels between them was won by Bulldog. Um, I thought Dickie was good. He, um, he he marshaled it pretty well. Um, right place, right time, all uh, for most of what he needed to do. Um, I know. I know some folks think that yeah, anytime we let a player go and then they come back up to our level, like it was a big loss or whatever. Um, I think he played well today, but you know he wasn't outstanding. Um, he, he was just did a pretty good job against. Um, Maybe an ineffectual uh, striker, shall we say? Uh, might might be speaking about him differently if he faced Jao today. Yeah, yeah, almost certainly. And if we think about the the game itself, I mean, that I I always kind of take notes to prepare for these things around kind of major events that happen in the game. <laughs> there wasn't really that much to talk about in terms of chances. I say, Chair had that shot that hit Raphael in the first half. Uh, we had a couple of flashes across the box. They had one, which was quite dangerous. And then they also had the chair kind of post hit. But beyond that, Alex, it was pretty, pretty two teams cancelling each other out, right? Yeah, I think it was non-eventful is probably the way I would describe it. I don't really think either team was particularly, uh, you know, ruthless going forward. And, and neither team looked like they were, to be honest, neither team looked like they were going to score. It was always going to take a moment of a moment of magic from one of, one player to win the game. Um, whether that had been Chair or Elise, uh, Elise. Um, whether that was Chair or Elise, it was it was always going to take a moment of magic from one team to win it because neither team really looked like they had enough in the tank to be able to create a, a good opportunity. There was just a lot of half chances. Um, 
And I mean, we had at least, what, three or four. And I think a lot of those were down to the fact that Josh Lauren, I think, had a very strong second half um, after I mean, we we were discussing it during during the game, and Lauren was maybe quiet. I think was the word used. Um, but I would say the last thirty five minutes or so, he he really, you know, every time he picked the ball up, he looked to run forwards with it, and that did create three or four opportunities. And if you've got Mate or Zhao up top there today, I think we probably would have been able to, you know, come away with a goal goal or two more. Um, I, I don't think it was a case of us not creating at all. It was just a case of not necessarily having the players there who you want there at the top end of the field. Yeah, I think Josh Laurent was uh, was great today um, overall. Uh, obviously, some quiet moments, but if you look at our two best chances outside of Elise Magic, um, first half he gets that perfect ball into Ajaria who fizzes it across the box and Bulldog can't get there and then second half like half hour to go or so Laurent just does it all on his own at one point he had like three players around him and he wriggled free and again puts a ball right where you want it in into the mix and uh, Bulldog was just like a yard behind it again so um, yeah an- another strong performance from Laurent I would say yeah, I was going to ask you, Dave, perhaps a little bit early to tell, but if you look at kind of signings in the last five years, considering Josh Lauren is on a free from Shrewsbury, where would you kind of rate him in terms of the <laughs> signing so far? It's, it's got to be up there, right? I'm in love with the man. I think he's uh, he's definitely top 10 in the last 10 years and last five years, maybe top three. I'm probably forgetting someone that I'll... Uh, Michael Morrison. For. Morrison, yeah. He's, yeah. Okay, so Mor- Morrison, Lauren, Joao. definitely in the top three. Joao, Joao, yeah, I think I think at this point... Uh, got, yeah. I don't know if that's going too far back. But. Too far back, I think. Yeah, I can't remember okay. when we signed him. I remember when he was playing, but I can't remember what year he joined us. So does that count five years? Yeah. I just think Josh Lauren is fantastic. And you look at the, the impact he's had on the team, like the only real net new player that we had this season and you, and you see the change in performances and where the performances have changed I think it's uh, I think, a big deal I think the main thing about the Lawrence signing is the fact that he changes the system he, he allows Rinomota to be a much better player and you can see it and we've discussed it before on here is that the fact that Rinomota has someone alongside him who will basically do the same job as he's doing it allows Rinomota to be free um, and then if Rinomota is doing the job of sitting Harrying, it allows Lauren to run free, like we saw in the second half today. And we haven't seen a player since probably Lewis Baker, who was who has allowed Rinomotor to, to be able to do that. And by having a, two players who are sitting deep and not feeling like, oh, we have to play one central defensive midfielder, we we unlock the best of two players by doing that. And um, all credit to Mark Bowen, who I believe was probably the person who sourced Josh Lauren as a signing um, he was definitely rumoured when Bowen was here originally I think he was rumoured when Gomez was manager as well um, and Bowen was was technical director so all credit to to Bowen for looking out for him because he's a he's a player who's definitely stepped up to this level I think also it, it kind of advocates for some of the transfer policies that we've had uh, over the years around looking in the lower leagues and looking at kind of 
Morrison was a championship defender. Laurent was in in the league below. We've signed them um, like we did with Lafondra, you know, back in the day, for example. So, do you think that's the strategy we should try and, and carry on with? And do you think we will? Because we obviously have this rumored influence of Kia Jarabshi and Dave. What do you think? Yeah, I think the the big thing, whatever it is about this club, if you come in with a price tag that we've paid, um, or from another league that isn't the championship um, and, and isn't, you know, adjacent to the championship. It tends not to work out. Um, I, I can't tell you why that is. It, it's the same kind of football voodoo as uh, where, you know, year after year, you have a bad game against a club, even though your entire squad is different and their entire squad is different, but somehow you still don't get a result against that club. Um, something about our transfer policy, it doesn't seem to work out when we spend big, but we we unearth these gems from whether it's the lower leagues or unwanted at a, a club in our own league, and it just works out. Um, it's something about the, the character of the squad or uh, something to prove maybe as they come in, and, and that's what works with us. I don't know, but um, certainly something I hope we keep doing because whenever we do, it seems to work out. It certainly feels like uh, a lot of, or at least from my perspective, is a lot of that comes down to expectation and what we're expecting. Uh, when you see a player like Lauren come in, you think mm, maybe he's going to be in and around the squad, and uh, maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll play twenty five games this season. Whereas in reality, he's come in; he's, he's a key player this year for Reading. Um, and when when you have a player who comes in who might be Aluko, Pushkas, etc you're expecting them to play four to six games a season and be one of the key players. And when they're not, realistically, that is a, a letdown. Um, so for Lauren, he's, I guess, he's overperforming versus what a lot of fans' expectations would have been. So if you're going to keep looking in the lower leagues for these kind of, you know, unhit, well, hidden gems, um, there, there is some out there. And it's just a case of, I guess, combining those with the, potential signings that we might see come in from uh, the links with with Keir Jarabachan. Yeah. And you think, um, you know, the other clubs do that quite well, don't they? Like Peterborough and Brentford, they kind of source from from lower leagues and it almost turns into like a conveyor belt. Um, Peter, Peterborough strikers are just absolutely con conveyor belt, aren't they? I mean, you've had yeah. so many of them over the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going to a slightly more negative note, even though I wouldn't like to, but the one negative for today is obviously the concern around Omar Richards. Um, he's been amazing this season. I think statistically, like one of the best fullbacks in the league, Dave. So big miss for us. Yeah, it was the last thing you wanted to see. When he went down, you're just hoping it's just like, all right, he's buying a little bit of time here. No, like you could, you could tell when you see the replay, um, he starts to run and uh, pulls up and... A player like him, uh, just like Joao, like you see that move and you know exactly what's happened. And uh, so much of his game is getting there first, anticipating, um, and then breaking quickly and, and starting a counter attack. So, of course, not only do we worry about losing him for the time that he's going to be out, but then when he gets back, how long does it take to get back to that level that he was at um, now? So, I'm hoping that it was bit of a tweak and this is precautionary and we get good news so I'm hoping for the same from trial as well but um, yeah if you if you put a list of five players you don't like get injured uh, Richards is on there very high up the list 
Yeah, and and I think actually we brought Gibson on, and we we didn't seem to face that much threat down Gibson's side. He, he held his own, didn't he, Alex? Yes, I think. I mean, that's the second time I think we've seen him at left back. He came on uh, against Forrest uh, as uh, left back as well, and defensively he looks absolutely fine. I I really don't have any particular concern with with Gibson playing at left back. Um, I, I think he'll be, you know, more than capable, uh, as Dave said. When you're looking at a list of players, Richards is probably one of the last players you want to lose, though, because of his uh, attacking capability as well as his defensive ability this season. And um, whether Gibson is going to be able to replace that, I, I think it's unlikely, realistically. I, I wouldn't expect Gibson, who's, who's you know by trade a, a centre-back, to be able to go on and uh, bomb up the left-hand side and overlap Ajaria. But I think if you've got at least one who's defensively capable... At least you're not harming your, you know, your solidity at the back, which is something that we have based a lot of our our game plans on this season. Um, you're not harming that too much, at least. Yeah, and do you think today we give a little bit of credit to um, to Paunovic, Dave? He brought he brought obviously Elise on uh, from the bench on about sixty five minutes. Took Aluko off. He could have perhaps taken Semedo off, but do we think he he got that one right today? Yeah, I think if if you're choosing who to take off, um, Samido offers a bit more grit. I think uh, Aluko does his work and and has like he's contributed to the defense. Um, did so again today. But if you look at the two of them, I think the way that he, the game was balanced, you you wanted someone like Samido still on the pitch um, while still allowing uh, Elise to come on and, and start trying to create. Um, I think it makes it clear that he was he was resting him, giving him a bit of a break. Uh, so bring him on towards the end. Everyone's a bit tired. Let him do what he does. Um, I think Samido is an attractive player to have in the squad because he can can go defensive midfield. He can do a job at ten. Maybe he's not quite what we're looking for there, but he he does a job. And then yeah, you push him up to be the false nine. I guess is the trendy term. Um, and you know, he, he did what he needed to do. Yeah, and, and your yeah. point just there, he, uh, the the teams were tiring and then you have someone like Elise he, and he, on 89 minutes, 88 minutes, he, he gets the ball on the wing. Alex, talk us through it. It was a, it was a great goal. Yeah, uh, so the ball kind of flicks out to him, what was he, 35 yards out or so when he first picks up the ball, um, pulls in from the right-hand side and he starts to cut in on his left, left foot Ball rolls into McIntyre, who to giving him massive credit here. The the flick back to Elise, pure quality. Um, it, I'm not sure if it was a back heel or if it's a, a flick back. I, I honestly I've only seen the goal once or t- maybe twice on the replays, but um from memory, really good, really good flick back from McIntyre back to Elise. And as soon as he picks the ball back up there, he's what 25 yards from goal. And you can kind of tell that he's looking for an angle to, to shoot. Um, and the bend that he gets on the ball there, he bends it right round from the far, like the far post, um, and then slots in, you know, into pretty much into the corner. Um, and the keeper's got no chance once it gets there. And it's one of those goals where you, you see it, and it's it, if it was a player who did it, you know, once, twice in their career, you'd be like, that's a, it's a good goal, decent finish. But coming from a player who you know is probably going to be able to do that, like at will 
you think you got a proper talent on your hands there and it's it, it, you know it's a goal which deserves to win any game and it's you know three points three points is uh kind of just reward for a goal like that and, and always nice to beat the fake hoops <laughs> um <laughs> got a few um injuries obviously concerned the next game coming up is norwich at home at the medeski on wednesday what do we think there dave uh, again, I think it's just the fact that <clears throat> even when Norwich are behind or they seem to be struggling, they somehow still come out and win it 2-1. Uh, <laughs> and I don't horrible, know... Horrible team to play against in like the yeah. late, late stages of games. They score so many goals in the last 10, 15 minutes. Which is not something that I feel bodes well for us because uh, at the moment we're struggling to create so if we're getting into like 75 80 minutes and it's nil nil you start to get very worried against a team like Norwich so um I don't I don't want to be overly negative I think the team dug it out today and you never know with this team uh, sometimes they can raise their game when they need to but if we have a similar starting lineup to today I think that you you would have to say that Norwich are the favorites yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. But looking at the table, Alex, we are fifth. Uh, it's quite tight at the top with quite a few teams in and around us. Yeah, so 33 points now after 18 games. And uh, I mean, it's, it's three teams on 33, Bournemouth on 34, and then Norwich top on 37. But we, we're starting to open up a bit of a gap between us and the mid-table, which is nice. Um, you know, that that is two, you know, positive two points on what we could have had today. And with that, we're eight points above mid-table now, and it's just starting to build a bit of a gap. That even if you do run into a run of form like we had in in November, where you, you don't pick up any points, actually in reality, because of the fact that we've got that gap, it's we're not going to slip back into this, you know, into that mid-table scrap of being 12th, 13th, um, because we've got we've got that advantage over them, um, and you just don't expect them to keep picking up points at the same rate. So. It's starting to this, there is starting to become a little bit of a group of teams who are edging away. Um, I'd say it's probably down to maybe Stoke, maybe Middlesbrough. Um, twenty nine points for Stoke and twenty seven for Middlesbrough. I think anybody behind there at the minute. I mean, obviously the season's not even halfway through yet, so I'm not going to rule anyone out. But it's um, you're starting to see a little bit of a gap open up, and, and the teams the quality teams in the division are starting to pull away a bit. Yeah, positive news. We beat the fake hoops, the last minute winner. We're fifth in the table. We're opening up a gap. All good stuff. Come on, you are. We have a we have a teenager who's worth fifty million pounds now. <laughs> At the start of the pod it was forty million, now it's fifty. So that's all good. Uh we'll be back with um probably a review of the Norwich game uh, later in the week. Um and so thanks everyone for listening and hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot, chaps.